Johnny, the fires have started, my clip is empty, and the plot has been thickened. I need a beer. Where can I go? Yeah, when the plot gets thick, the beer must be cold. You should head down to the Handlebar at 2070 East 20th Street. They've got a ridiculous happy hour. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., you're going to get a dollar off all of their 28 options of draft beer. That's right, my friend. Again, that is the Handlebar, everybody, located at 2070 East 20th Street right here in Chico. Check out their happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m., a dollar off all of their 28 draft beers. Go check them out. We promise you will not regret it. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, hello, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. What's happening? Today on the show, we have our review of the new film, Cop Shop, from director Joe Carnahan. It's a, we'll say, situational thriller drenched in 80s action nostalgia starring Alexis Lauder as rookie cop Valerie Young, who finds herself with two mysterious and gruff ne'er-do-wells, we'll say, played by Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo. They're locked up in her precinct. She soon discovers that she may have stumbled into a a bigger bite than she can shake her gun at, and this will be a hell of a day at the office. In addition to the the ne'er-do-wells, we have beers from the Hot Butcher for the World out of Mm. Darien, Illinois. The first is a uh, blazed orange milkshake IPA, and mm. the second is going to be a, I believe, double IPA or a hazy IPA, some sort of IPA. I don't know. I'm excited. Uh, you will hear about that later. Yeah, if you happen to find yourself listening on the radio waves on KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to hear our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Cop Shop. Sorry about that. Yeah, but if you want to hear the rest of it with our our second beer and some spoilers and all kinds of other fun stuff, you can hear the rest of the conversation plus all of our other episodes of this show going all the way back to 2016 when we started exactly five years ago. You can find that at any of the following places. Yeah, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher. We're basically any place that you can search for a podcast. You'll find our bright and smiling voices if a voice can smile. We do drop new episodes every Friday morning, 7 a.m. And if you like the show, just go for it. Feel free to leave us a five-star rating. You can write out a fun review. Uh, If you want strangers on the internet to find our show, the best way to do that is to write a review. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on the gram or Letterboxd for movies, or Untapped for beers. You can find those all at Fresh Hop Cinema, or check out our website, freshhopcinema.com. Let's say you've done all that, you feel satisfied, but not fully satisfied. You want to reach out, you want to write us a letter. You can do that. You can send us an electronic electronic letter to our email, which is fhccast at gmail.com. If that is still not enough of my voice in your ears... There's one more pivotal step you can do to become one of our favorite people in the world. That is get involved in Patreon. For as little as one buck a single week, you can buy our love. That's right. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, you can buy bonus episodes, including top five lists, movie history. uh, That gets you special access to some really fun events. We got a movie night coming up. Very soon, we also just did our top five Gerard Butler movies. That beefcake. Yeah, he is one of the stars of this week's episode, uh, this week's movie, Cop yeah, Shop. Sure. So, yeah, we put out new content every week that's exclusive to Patreon, and it's just more 
of us for you. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, which obviously you've come this far, you should be into it. You should check it out. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Johnny Summers, that is enough housekeeping. With that out of the way, let us branch into what may be a contender for a brewery with the most words that we have ever done on the show. Do you think that's right? Uh, it's a really long name. It's like it's five sure. words, not that crazy, but usually it's like something brewing. And today we're doing Hop Butcher for the World. You mentioned they are out of Illinois and you've picked out both of our beers. I obviously need to know eventually where you got them, but I would really like to start drinking the first one. So maybe you could just tell me what it is and we go from there. Yeah, so this first beer is called Blazed Orange. It is a Citra and Strata Hot Double IPA brewed with oranges and vanilla. And I have my fingers firmly crossed that this does not contain lactose because online it is billed as a milkshake IPA, but not anywhere on the can. Nor the website. So, nor their website. So I'm hoping that was just some information ascertained from Untapped or something that's not quite accurate. Because, yeah, usually they have to say if there's lactose in it on the can somewhere. I know these things. Uh, but all I'm hearing is a double IPA with oranges and vanilla, citra, and strata hops. So I'm going to dive in, and if it tastes like a milkshake with milk, uh, I'm going to run to the bathroom and get some pills. Okay. But, uh, it doesn't smell like a milkshake. I mean, yeah, so I've just poured mine, and I actually am going to disagree. I, If I had to bet, I, I guess I would say that there's probably not lactose. I know you're right that they have to usually put that on the can. Um, so for your own your own well-being, I hope that that there isn't. But it does smell to me like there could be. And I wanted to start also by saying it's a 7.5% double IPA, so it's not the, 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 uh, the, the weakest of beers we've ever done, obviously. But the can is really eye-catching. It's got this really intense, almost like carved-in description of blazed orange. There's... Um, a little description like you just read citron strata hop and on their website they have a shout out to the label artwork designer whose name is dan oof zeka grzeka g-r-z-e-c-a and i also want to say one more thing you did not say which is that this particular can that i have in front of me was canned on august 26th so we're drinking it just about a month fresh yeah have you tasted it oh yeah did, did you run to the bathroom and get back before i noticed no, I did not. I don't think there's lactose in this, but I think there is a lot going on in this. That's for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yep. 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 Yeah. So this is a double IPA ran into a creamsicle yeah. and like on a bicycle. Right. And then you've got this really crazy hoppy pithy thing happening that is really just meeting head on with this sweet vanilla, like candied orange. This tastes like first thing I think of is if you made a creamsicle, but instead of using like orange juice concentrate with like sugar in it or something, you used like fresh squeezed orange juice that was just like gnarly and a little bitter and like super tart. This is good. And I realized I have to bleep myself for that because we're on the radio, but I couldn't think of another way to describe it. I really like this. an orange creamsicle. I, it's one of my favorite frozen dessert treats and I almost never get it. And I, when I taste this, I'm like, why don't I get creamsicles more often? Cause this is so tasty. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, do you, you like it as well? Uh, I don't dislike it. I okay. don't think I'm going to like it as much as you, but I don't think it's bad. Uh, no, it's, it's really good. I guess I was thinking that for you, it might be too sweet, but it's not the same kind of new England IPA sweetness that I think you've learned to love to hate. Um, no. 
it's a different kind of, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's very much like a creamsicle. This is wild. I would be running to the bathroom right now if I were you to get a lactose pill because I probably should. It's gotta be like, I don't, I don't want you to, you and I are supposed to, to, to grab a beer later to celebrate our five year anniversary of the show. And I just want you to be alive for that. Um, so I think this is really good. And if you want to do that, we can make some radio magic happen. Wow. And just like that, you are back. You are now fully protected from the evil that is lactose in your system. Is that right? I've been vaccinated against milk <laughs> through my mouth. Make that joke too. Uh, in good <laughs> taste or bad. I don't care. But the point is this beer is in good taste. I think by both of our standards. Yeah. It's got this really enjoyable sweetness that is interesting. It's artificial. It's artificial, but in a good way, if that makes sense. Like if they're trying to get this to taste like ice cream, I want it to taste yeah. like ice cream Yeah, and beer doesn't taste like ice cream. So you need some artificial sweetness in right. there, like tons of vanilla too, like just a really pillowy, almost marshmallow like quality to that vanilla yes. mixed with that, like overly sweet orange, but then, you know, cut drastically by the hop presence of the, the, of this beer of the hops. It's, it's this weird contrast that like, it should totally be off-putting. It should, for me, it feels like it should go one way or the other. Sure. But the fact that it does both and it kind of like makes it work, like this is somehow really bitter and very much an IPA and also very much an orange creamsicle at the same time. It's confusing and I'm not exactly sure how all these flavors work, but this is definitely one of the more unique IPAs I think I've ever had because I was I picked up the can because I picked up the, the the second beer we're doing, and it's mm-hmm. just a straightforward, some kind of just IPA. And I'm like, oh, cool, blazed orange. And I just read uh, Citra IPA right. with with orange. And I'm thinking, okay, blood orange IPA, like, it's been done. Oh, sure. I honestly didn't even read what this beer was. I got it because the can looked cool, and it was fresh, and it was from the brewery. So uh, this is an odd surprise. I'm going to say it's pleasant. It's definitely unique man you have to be like in a very specific mood for this beer but i'm i'm thinking it's pretty good i want i know you have more to say though yeah so i actually don't totally at least my palate doesn't totally agree with yours when it comes to the variety or, or maybe the the interplay between the sweetness and the bitterness from the hops because a lot of the bitterness is not coming through to me this is definitely more of a straightforward sweet ipa which as it's classified as a milkshake ipa makes total sense if you think of the hierarchy of ipas it's like let's say you got the top, not a hierarchy, but sort of like the, the flow chart from vertical to, you know, top to bottom, like IPA at the top. And then it branches off into like East coast and West coast. And underneath West coast, you might have traditional West coast. And then as we learned, I think last week, like a Northwest, uh, a Northwest coast IPA. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on the right side of that, you've got like your new England IPAs. And I believe branching off that would be like the milkshake IPA. And one of my pet peeves is that some beers will branch into those sort of offshoots and not really make that much of a distinction from the style that it's branching from. And I think that this, as a milkshake IPA, is what the style should be. And it is different enough to warrant being called a milkshake IPA. So I'm already yeah, stoked I, on that. Like, it, I think it's it's the represent, it's like the perfect representative of that style. And for me, that is, it's almost the antithesis of hoppy bitterness. I can't get almost any of those citra or strata hops. I'm just getting all creamsicle. I also noticed on the back of the can there is a hop and there are tasting notes around that hop. And on one, one of these three points, it says uh, juicy oranges on the other it says creamy vanilla. And at the bottom, inevitably it says 
orange creamsicle. This is very, very good to me. It's so smooth. No way would I have guessed seven and a half percent, which is another perk to this style. If you're like a, if you're an aspiring beer drinker that needs sort of an easy way into the party, you bet a good milkshake double IPA is going to be your best friend. Yeah, I agree completely. And I'm definitely getting bitterness on the, the finish. Like on the last mm-hmm. 25% of this drinking experience, I get a lot of dryness and it finishes quite, quite hoppy for me, um, which I like because that's keeping it in the realm of, of what I want out of a beer. Okay. But sure. it's also giving me that sweet, punchy, totally like, you know, orange creamsicle on a hot summer day vibe, which is, is wild. And this beer really pulls it off and kind of brings it together, man. Yeah. If I dug deep enough, I might be able to pick out the bitterness you're describing. But for me, the end of this drink is much more akin to the flavor and almost textural sensation of when you drink the hot chocolate packets that come with the dehydrated marshmallows. And then those things kind mm-hmm. of get rehydrated by whatever you put in it. And then those sort of linger on your tongue and create like a little, little creamy film, which I'm not stoked about that turn of phrase, but that is the best way to describe it. Like, a, <laughs> you know, like it's got like a really like almost, yeah, like artificial creaminess and it really works one, well. One would say it has a coating mouthfeel. Yeah. But, but not even all of it. Cause I agree with you. It finishes pretty dry but there's that lingering sweetness, which I know sounds almost like that's not possible. It sounds like a, like an oxymoron of sorts, but the creaminess is for me what lasts instead of the bitterness being able to break through. That's funny. I think sometimes like we look for the things that we're enjoying more in a beer maybe, and we, they stand out in our minds more. Cause like I'm always looking for that bitter punch and like you want an orange creamsicle and that's what yeah. you're looking for. And right. I think we're both finding it. And I don't think either of us are entirely wrong. No, it's a testament to the, maybe like, maybe the, the versatility of the flavor of this beer. Cause I do think, yeah, you're probably right. If I was looking for more, this would work on multiple moods of mine. Like you could, whatever mood I'm in now, that's craving a creamsicle. <laughs> Perfect. But I could also see this as a really satisfying balanced IPA. Like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is really good. Where'd you get this, by the way? Uh, both beers were purchased at SNS Produce this week. Reasonably priced? They were. They were very a little bit on the higher end for okay. a sixteen ounce can, sure. but just due to the uniqueness and uh, you know the geography of getting beers here from Illinois, I'm right. okay with paying just a little bit more than usual, but not much. I would say this is still something I would not hesitate to just run out and pick up another one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. If you were interested in getting your hands on this, by the way, you can go to their website uh, again, hot butcher for the world. There's a tab called find our beer and you can, they have two lists. One is you, where you can find it on draft and one is where you can find it in cans. And obviously the in cans list is much longer, but check it out. Um, there's a chance that if certainly if you're listening between here and Illinois, between California and Illinois, you could probably get your hands on this by, by reaching out to a reputable beer distribution connection person. Yeah, it's always handy when when websites have that find our beer stuff. It really does help you narrow it down. So, and if it's making it out this far, like I said, I mean, it's making it from Illinois to Northern California, so it's it's got to be around, right? I also want to point out on their website, I really like when websites do this. I think the one that comes to mind is Altamont for me. They have basically a running list of all of their beers because um, I can't imagine this is what is available now, but looks more like sort of a a compendium of what they've done in the past. And there's got to be like. 150 beers here. Um, but there's one called double blazed orange, which as you can imagine is, is probably like this, but stronger. Oh yeah. It was a, so it was a milkshake double IPA that clocked in at 9.5%. 
And I was checking out the website because I wanted to see if we could get some beers shipped to us, if we could purchase them. But we, there's some rules about that sort of thing legally. Um, but man, if you can get your hands on what looks to be a smattering of options from this brewery, I would say do try them, which I think brings us to the point in the show where we should probably give it a rating out of 10. What do you think? I'm down, man. I know you're going to rate it higher than me, yeah, but I'm really first? curious. Yeah. For me, it's an 8-1. Oh, yeah. You bet I'm going to rate it higher than you. Um, okay. 8.1. Sure. It's not, good. A, it's not an 80.1. I see you writing in the notes. <laughs> it's like a damn good rating. Um, okay. 8.1 for you. Totally respectable. That's, that's a very, very good rating. Yeah, it really is. It's way above average. This is something if I was in the mood for, I would make a drive for not, a, not a far drive, but like a medium drive. All right. Let me lay it out for you real quick. This beer is wildly drinkable. It's refreshing. It's got a good alcoholic kick. It has a wow factor. It has a little bit of something I've never had before. It's surprising me. It's charming me, Johnny. And for Ooh. that reason, for all those reasons, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Blazed orange, Damn. hot butcher for the world. This is great, you guys. If you're listening by chance, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. This is so delicious. I'm going to go back to, you said SNS here in Chico? Yep. I'm going to get more. Uh, also, hot butchers, if you're listening, please send more. Send more to Chico. Because people here need to try this. It's so good. It's such a unique experience. I think even if you're kind of on the fence about everything we've said, you should try it once just Absolutely. to see what it's like. Because it definitely is like that perfect marriage of an Orange Julius with a beer. And like normally I'm not a big fan of sweet IPAs at all. And this is right. this is world class. Very well made. Um, you can tell these guys put real some real care and attention into what they're doing. And it, it shows in the liquid. Once again, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try Blazed Orange, we want to know what you think, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, you can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on all of our social medias at Fresh Hop Cinema, or please rate, review, and subscribe mm. on Apple Podcasts. And now to the movie of the week. You are about to hear a trailer for this week's featured film, Cop Shop. I'm invisible. That's where I'm going to be. I got heat all over me. I'm not telling you where I am. Hey. What are you going to arrest me? What are you people? Please arrest me. You're under arrest. So why were you looking to get locked up, Theodore? Everyone's trying to kill me. They nearly killed us. What'd you do? I did what I had to do. To get to you, Teddy. The legendary Bob Vidic. You're a psychopath. I'm a professional. You pissed off the wrong people. I'm gonna kill you. Drop that gun. No one kills anyone in here. You say you fell? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to clarify, I shot him in the head, and then he took a little tumble. Hola! How bad is it? Are you an idiot, Teddy? Anthony Lamb. I'm going by the more friendly and less formal Tony's these days. Clear off my contract. No can do. This contract is free fire, as there are competing parties for one Theodore Moretto. Bob, are we going to duel to the death? Get me out of here. Always and only about Teddy. Teddy Moreno does not 
they come. Let's make a deal, man. I got a lot of money. There's no deal to be made. Come on, Teddy. You know how this goes. I need to know everything. All you had to do was let me blow his head off when I had the chance. I'm coming in there whether you like it or not. Now you see the difference? That is a psychopath. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft, beer, and film, and you may very well be listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, in which case you're welcome to subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this here discussion in its entirety. It'll be available tomorrow, which is Friday, Morning at 7 a.m., Johnny Summers, remind people that are just joining us what they've just heard. You heard a trailer for this week's featured film, Cop Shop, starring Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo. The synopsis from IMDb reads thusly. On the run from a lethal assassin, a wily con artist devises a scheme to hide out inside a small town police station. But when the hit man turns up at the precinct, an unsuspecting rookie cop finds herself caught in the crosshairs. Okay, so it's a film directed by Joe Carnahan. He did the remake of The A-Team a few years back. He did Smoking Aces. This film, Cop Shop, has a screenplay by Kurt McLeod and Joe Carnahan as well. It runs about 107 minutes, and I'm going to tell you who's in it. John, you can tell people what uh, those people do, but Gerard Butler's in it. Tell me about his character. Gerard Butler is the hitman, the assassin, the hired gun who is pretty much solely after... Uh, Frank Grillo's character, Teddy Moretto. Right, and you mentioned a rookie cop. That is uh, Valerie Young. She is played by Alexis Louder, who had, this, I believe is her second feature film. She's relatively new, and I can look into what she's done in the past, but let's talk, uh, let's, let's talk shop, sir. This was a film that we sort of pulled out of the weeds of recent releases. We're kind of in this weird moment in, in movie releases where we're about to be hit with a, a tidal wave of new films, but we're kind of at the tail end of summer and not a ton of stuff was out. We were kind of throwing up between what we should see and what was available. And we landed on Cop Shop and I didn't necessarily have high hopes. And I want to know if you did. And then, of course, what you thought of the movie once you saw it. God, no. I had the lowest of hopes. <laughs> no, this this was either going to be funny or a total disaster. Okay. Uh, so, no, there were there were very low expectations going into this. Well, what did you think of it? Well, this was a fun movie. <laughs> I was really surprised at how much fun I had. Um, Frank Grillo played just an all-around kind of slime ball, from what we're led to believe, in this Teddy Moretto character. And then, uh, you know, you had Gerard Butler just getting locked up in jail on purpose to try and get to him. <laughs> and then this battle of wills and wits and violence you know, commences and you had this, this weird hodgepodge of a cast that kind of came together and there was like chemistry where I didn't expect there to be Alexis Louder as Valerie Young was a massive surprise. And by far for me, the shining star of this movie, I absolutely loved her character. Um, it was full of action movie tropes and silly in accuracies that would never happen but if you suspend a good amount of disbelief and let yourself sink into this movie as just being a ridiculous over-the-top 
kind of entertaining experience. It's pretty good for what it is, man. It was it was really entertaining. It was funny at times. It was, I mean, honestly, laugh out loud funny a few times. And uh, it had everything you want from a shoot 'em up action. What'd you call it? A situational suspense movie? Yeah, situational action, uh, situational thriller maybe. Yeah, and so I'm assuming the definition of that is like the situation being they're all trapped in a police totally. precinct. Yeah, like so. your single, lo- like your one to two location kind of claustrophobic type things. Yeah, so when you think of these movies, there's some things you want. You want something to explode. You want something to be on fire. You want the sprinklers to go off at some point. You know what I mean? There's certain scenes that you just want out of a movie like this. And whether you know that subconsciously or you just have um, a conscious expectation, for me it was more subconscious, but then certain things happened where there's both fire and water happening, and you're like, yep, Mm -hmm. this is the scene (laughs) I needed. This is... This is amazing. Um, so, I mean, if you loved the the diehards, the lethal weapons, like all of that real late 80s, early 90s, buddy cop comedy cheese mixed with action adventure, I mean, very diehard influenced, yep. you know, in, um, but I really loved the homages that it took. We spoke a bit last week about homage versus becoming derivative. Sure. I think this walked a much more safe line in being an homage stylistically versus being directly, you know, derivative. So I honestly really liked this movie for, you know, the not thinking really kind of just a popcorn bang, bang, shoot em up movie that it was. So I was pretty positive on it, man. I think I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I also had pretty low expectations. I didn't exactly know what to expect, but I thought that it would be, I mean, you and I have recently spent some time discussing Gerard Butler's films, and sometimes they're sometimes they're trash and sometimes they're okay. <laughs> like I think that's generally sort of his resting pulse is like okay to sort of exciting. And one of my favorite movies of his is is Den of Thieves. I think it's my favorite movie of his. And he gets to be this really sort of gruff, hyper-masculine, whatever dude that works really well in sort of an 80s nostalgia vibe action film, like you're saying, Um, which is the part of this movie that requires a decent amount of, like you said, suspension of disbelief, because so much of this movie does feel like there is an extreme fondness on on the part of Joe Carnahan, the director, for these sort of ham-fisted 80s action movies that are packed with machismo and, yeah, like people walking on glass barefoot. Which is fine in and of itself. Those movies have been made. What I liked about this movie, multiple things, but but the first thing is what you suggested, which is Alexis Louder as this really wonderful surprise who functions not only, I think, as a really great actress in this movie, but also as like a, a genre subversion of sorts because you expect, and, and I definitely expect going in, like Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, manly men. Like if you don't know Frank Grillo by name, I don't know. Maybe his most popular thing is when he was like one of the shield guys in Marvel. He was like one of the bad guys that fights Captain America in the elevator. And if you don't, that doesn't even ring a bell. Just think of him as a guy that would try to fight Captain America. Yeah. So he's like this super masculine dude. So I saw the preview and the poster. I was like, all right, well, it's like these two dudes, you know, talking and then probably fighting. And then Alexis Louder's characters in there. What were you going to say? Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, Frank Grillo actually just had one of his first like leading roles in the Netflix original movie Boss Level that I actually really liked. Oh, cool. Um, and that's available to stream now where it was kind of a Groundhog's Day meets John Wick. Okay, sure. Um, 
So, but yeah, he's kind of coming into prominence, but it is definitely as that, like you said, the hyper masculine, you know, shoot him up, bang, bang, right. whatever. And that's, that's but. fine. But for me, like those characters and those types of stories and movies can only really get me so excited. So then seeing yeah. that this movie was, I don't know that it was necessarily about, um, Alexis Louder's character, but she's certainly the character whose perspective we get the most. So I'd, I'd say maybe main character. Um, mm-hmm. and once I realized she was kind of taking the place of a lot of those eighties movies tropes that I don't like, but I got the rest of it. I was really stoked. Like there's betrayal in this movie. There's, there's like double crossing and there's plot twists. And like, it kept me on my toes, which was so fun. Um, yeah, Gerard Butler in here is great. I also think that Frank Grillo's really charismatic. And I think that's important for his character. Like you, a, a big portion of this movie, a big thing that the movie sort of pivots on or, or, or hinges upon is like, who do we trust? Do we trust Frank Grillo or do we trust Gerard Butler? And I think in that sense, the casting choices for those two men were great because like you can see them being charming and you can also see them being super duplicitous and and awful. I think and that really so, works. Like And so self-serving. Like you never knew who's going to say whatever you wanted to hear just to get out of their cell. Totally. Um, so like that's one aspect you can watch the movie from. There's also like, there's also stuff within the political sphere and like the precinct itself. And like, it was an interesting and fun movie. Like it kept me on my toes. It kept me laughing. Like you said, I was, I was very, very pleased to watch this movie today on a random Tuesday. I saw it at like 1245 and I talked to you before seeing it. Cause you saw it before me. And I was like, what, what kind of concessions should I get? And you were, you gave me some suggestions. What I ended up getting was like a popcorn, some milk duds, those little lifesaver gummies, a large soda, I just sat there and I vegged out on this movie. It was such an entertaining watch. Yeah, it was a really good one to just lean into and just let your take off your serious movie critic hat yeah. a little bit and just be like, entertain me, make me giggle, like blow stuff up. And sometimes that's okay. Right. And I would say even more, and we can get into this more in the danger zone here in a minute, but like some of the cinematography and I think the performances were actually pretty good. Like they did yeah. lean into the 80s sort of goofy vibes, but- there were some pretty convincing parts of this movie and, and some stuff that really demonstrated, I think, some know-how on the part of the director and the cinematographer. I agree completely. And those were the parts of the movie that were actually like the most surprising. Right. Everything else you can do. You yes. can do cheesy acting and you can accomplish all of those. But without those little touches and like the nuance, and there was some really cool shots in this movie. And that, as someone who watches a bunch of movies critically, like, that's pleasing. I'm like, ooh, that's a cool shot. Like, I love the lighting in this yeah. scene. I love the way they filmed this person in this scene. It's just like those little nuggets were there for like the movie heads as much as the 80s nostalgia. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It was a pleasant surprise. Totally, man. In any movie, this is a pet peeve of mine. In any movie where there is sort of a discussion of the layout of the building, you'll get inevitably like one character to roll out the blueprints of the entire thing. And then like the camera's usually like, you know, behind one of them over the shoulder. And like, you can kind of see the blueprints, but nobody really knows. And what was so brilliant, there's a scene in this movie where we get a shot of the blueprints from underneath a glass table and it's lit from the top. And you can just see the silhouettes of two characters pointing to things on the blueprints, but you can also see it perfectly. Yeah, such like, a man, cool scene. What a great way of, 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 they do a great job. And this is, I think, really important to a situational movie like this. Like you need to understand as the viewer, the space in which these characters are operating. And I think it, the movie is shot really well. Like it's all in mostly in this precinct and you kind of get a good sense of the space, but just in case you didn't, here is an actual layout of the building and here's what's going to mm-hmm. happen. It's so smart. Great way to shoot it. 
Yeah, that was so unique because, like you said, in these types of movies, you know that scene's going to happen. Right. Just like you know there's going to be an angry police chief. Totally. Yeah, and there like, was. They lean into it. was great. They, they leaned into it so hard. Like, first five minutes, you're like, oh, well, he's obviously the angry yeah, police right. chief. And I, I loved it. I was so here for it. Um, so then real quick, I just wanted to shout out the cinematographer, uh, Juan Miguel Asperos, who I should probably look into because, again, very smart work. Let's for now, Johnny Summers, give Cop Shop a rating out of 10, and then we can go on after our break to talk about spoilers. But for now, yes, out of 10, Cop Shop, what you got? Out of 10, for me, it was a 7.9. 7.9, very close. I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it an 8. I think it's a really effective genre film that does some new things and also keeps all the stuff that I liked of the old things that it's emulating. Yeah, plus you had the hero of the movie being this amazing black woman. I just loved every it's bit one of the big she things. Was, yes. It was so cool. It was awesome. I loved her. I'm going to follow her career now. I want to see her in more action movies. And those like, close ups. Yeah. It's so good. Make her James Bond. Sure. Although Bring let's, it. I mean, I'm pretty stoked for Idris Elba. Like let's, I'm, you know, let's let him have his turn. He's great. Is, is it, is that who's doing it officially? Uh, that's what I heard a while back. Okay. I'm not mad at that either. Idris can get it. I'll fact check it after the break. And I'm also going to let you know that Alexis Louder, to to close a loop that I started earlier, was also in The Tomorrow War, which was a Chris Pratt film that we covered a few months ago. I don't remember mm. the character she played off the top of my head. I think, oh, she was one of the army people that had been there like multiple times. Oh, okay. All right. That was she a good was episode, by the way. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. We had a lot of fun with that one, tearing and apart the time also, travel. <laughs> yeah, but also watch that movie because it was cool. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, yeah. All right, Johnny, if you got nothing else, take us out of here, would you? Uh, yeah, I think I'm there, man. Well, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema featuring me and Max on KZFR 90.1. Comp Shop is in theaters now. If you get a chance to see it and have thoughts of your own, find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And if you've tried our first beer, Blazed Orange, and you post it on social media and you drink it because of this show, be sure to tag us. Yeah, and assuming you've done all that and you want to skip a few steps, you can just head to our website. You can always do that in the future, freshhopcinema.com. we got film reviews. We've got beer reviews, obviously. we got podcast episodes, like Johnny said, dating all the way back somehow to 2016, exactly to the day from this recording, so five years ago, to our KZFR listeners. The full-length version of our discussion today with spoilers, our second beer review, plus Hot and Bothered, which is always a lot of fun, will be available tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., wherever you can find a good podcast. And to all of our podcast listeners, don't fret. We'll be right back to talk spoilers in the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Danger Zone. At this point in Fresh Hop Cinema, we are just, we are, we are just the podcast. We are no longer on the radio waves, which doesn't mean a whole lot. We're just going to spoil the movie. So if you haven't seen Cop Shop, this is your last warning. Spoilers are inbound. Um... If you didn't hear the first segment for some reason, we both think you should probably see it. So if you need to pause the show, go watch the movie and then come back and listen to our thoughts because we have them. Also, who the fuck starts a podcast in the middle? People do it. People like you that try to skip all the ads at the beginning and then you get trigger happy with your thumb and you're like, I'm 40 minutes in. That's wild. I never skip 40 minutes into a podcast. We need to do more ads then. <laughs> we just, just went long just one on the KZFR ad. segment. We need to do less ads. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. I get. Yeah. I don't know why people would skip around. So fair enough. Yeah. You've started forty spoilers. minutes in. You're a psychopath. Yeah. Maybe not a psychopath. Maybe just a professional. You'll know the difference when you see it. Oh. Thank you. 
Ooh. Okay, where do we start, man? I mean, we could. I don't care to unpack it necessarily. You want to give me your favorite the, scenes? Yeah, the plot's not too dense. I loved all of the locked room action with Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, and Alexis Louder mm-hmm. in the the in the cell area where she's back yeah. to the door. Uh, that was like my favorite stuff. That whole it, it those scenes almost played out like a short film or a play yeah. because it was just so one room, lots of snappy dialogue. And I just, I love the the dynamics and in their interactions because, like, she'd accidentally shot herself with a ricochet. So she's like, she's like, I'm fucked. How do I get out of this? Which one of these maniacs do I trust? Right. Or do I just die here? Like, you know, I loved the, the stakes. A lot of times these movies are so outlandish. There's not really any, like, life or death stakes, it, it feels like. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and it definitely had that at times for me, and, and I dug that. And also, I, we can't talk about this movie without talking about an, this Anthony Lamb character. Yeah, wait, before we get there, I wanted to say to your point, like, yeah, like, because you do need the introduction of stakes. And if we have these two men behind bars, we don't necessarily need to trust either one. And it's not until she does get injured that we're like, oh, shit, like, she's going to have to get out of this, which forces us, which as the viewer, to reckon with something we've been considering this whole time is which of these two men do we trust, if if any. Mm-hmm. I love that. It was yeah. It was very smart writing. You were gonna say yeah, Anthony yeah. Lamb. Oh, Tony yeah. Lamb. Tony Lamb. So Gerard Butler is the guy got arrested on purpose to try and kill Frank Grillo. Yes, it's an open contract, and then the psychopath Anthony Lamb shows up with balloons and just starts killing cops just everywhere. Just bang, 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 bang. Everybody's yeah. dead. Toby Hass and is the actor's name. Toby Hass, and he just is insane. I loved his character. He was completely unhinged. And that line you just said about being a psychopath right. and a professional, you'll know the difference. It's directly from that. And uh, yep. that's a scene having to do directly with him. And man, talk about a wild card. That dude mm-hmm. was uh, the agent of chaos. He was chaotic evil. If you're going off of a, you know, I don't even know what those are called, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, what is it? There's always these graphs and like charts. And I think it's like one, two, three, four, five, like six, seven. It's like a, mm-hmm. a square. And there's like one, two. Oh, like an ENFJ uh, personality test or something? Well, it's always like all the characters from a movie or like actors that a character is portrayed. And like the top left is like uh, like lawful good. Okay. And then it'll go to like lawful neutral, lawful evil. Okay. Or like, and then like lawful neutral is always like in the middle. And then it'll be like lawful evil and lawful chaotic. Or I don't know. There's like, there's just like, it's a graph thing. I see them online all the time. And I realize now that I don't know what the fuck they're ever called. Okay. Um, but if you're from the internet and you go on Reddit enough, you'll see them. Uh, people do them all the time. And he was chaotic evil. That's the whole point of that. He was just pure chaotic evil. Just wanted to like kill people and watch the world burn. Okay. Well, fair. Yeah. I mean, I take your point. I haven't seen these things, but, but yes. Although on a quick Google search, I think you might be referencing something that spawned from Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, there's not really a name for it, but um, basically it says here, when you create a character in D&D, you decide where to put that character on a moral axis. So you're basically describing a six squared game board, basically, that sort of outlines the morality of the character that you're inventing. Yeah. 
Let's uh, let's find our way back to the tracks here. Um, <laughs> yes, but I loved I loved Tony Lamb's character. He's such a wild card. That was the whole point. Yeah, and I think for the most part that character worked for me too. Um, there were some moments where I got so goofy that I was like, okay, I, I don't know about this. And also speaking of like his big sort of final moments in the bathroom with the steam, that steam got there very quick from two showers yeah. in an entire locker room. I don't know. Um, showers I, are very hot. And I also didn't buy that. I mean, I don't know how big this locker room is, but he was being pursued by quite a while. And for some reason, um, Frank Grillo's character could not find him, which I don't, I don't know. seems, I seems feel unlikely. Like, yeah, I feel like that locker room was like two rooms, but that there's that eighties action suspension of disbelief that you need. It's like, okay, I guess, I guess that's fine. Who cares? This is the infinite locker room now. Yeah. Um, I thought this was good, man. It was entertaining. Like we could probably keep unpacking scenes, but unless you have any specific ones you do want to hit on, I think I'm probably okay. Like I'd, I'd watch this again. It'd be super fun to take people to have a few drinks, which I didn't end up doing before seeing it, but this would be a great couple drinks kind of movie. I agree completely, and I had a couple drinks before I watched it, so can confirm. Nice. Yeah, and, and very much in the line of a 9 o'clock movie versus a 7 o'clock movie. Yeah, totally. You can put this on half-cocked on the couch and just yeah. have a blast. Yeah, and then just fall asleep afterwards and not lose any brain power, which is great. Exactly. And you're not going to be upset that you didn't catch every detail. Totally. Yeah. Um. Okay. You ready to move on, then? Let's do it. Let's do another beer. Okay. What are we drinking next, my friend? The next one we are drinking is a Strata and Mosaic Hopped Double IPA from Hop Butcher for the World. For the World. Called Herbs in Horto. Well, that's an interesting can, isn't it? Yeah. Describe it. Herbs. Herb. Okay, so you've got kind of a little shop of horrors meets like Super Mario Piranha nice. Plant nice. happening, uh, coming out of a potted plant that has feet like the potted plant in itself is a thing. It has seven with legs. An arm. Yeah. Well, seven. That's wild. That's probably some crazy Bible reference or something. Sure. <laughs> and it's got an arm holding a bucket and a shovel. And then, yeah, that piranha plant thing is coming out of the pot. And out of the grass is also growing like a city. High rise high rise buildings, like a city. Yeah. And like really a small cool can. House. Yeah. 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 What well, and there's like a tower, <laughs> like a an almost radio looking tower. With two with antenna an on and an eye. Illuminati? Who knows? Looks like Plankton from Spongebob. It does look like Plankton. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the back of the can, we have the same sort of trifecta of tasting notes. There's a hop, and then around it, it says, Ripe Tropical, Dank Beers, and Pink Lemonade, which is, of course, the most interesting part, I think, probably universally. On the bottom of the can, yeah. this was canned uh, August 16th, so about five weeks from us. Yeah, and this is uh, exactly the same ABV as our first beer, 7.5%. Have you opened yours yet? I have opened it. I've poured it. I've not tasted it. Okay. I am just now opening mine, so I'll give you a chance to pour yours here, or to rather to taste it. Um, I'm stoked, man. I'm, I've got really high hopes from that first beer. I'm actually going to lower them because as you and I were discussing the order for today, we thought that the, the more potentially interesting beer, the one that might give way to more conversation would be the one that that is advertising itself as an orange creamsicle. And this one mm -hmm. seems more like a straightforward, potentially New England IPA. So yeah. I'm not sure. And and if that prediction is correct, I'm assuming you're gonna like it significantly less than I do. But am I right? Well, I will start off by saying you're gonna love this beer. Oh nice. Um this is very understated compared to the first beer. It is subtle. It is definitely not overly sweet. 
uh, it's not overly hoppy. It's not really a ton of anything. It's a very subdued type of double IPA, I would say. Double IPAs usually have way more punch and or way more sweetness if they're of the New England variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for me, this is this is coming in pretty low on the spectrum of like uh, of outstanding flavors. Okay, I've poured mine a bit like a jerk, which is to say there's about two inches of head on my beer right now. Um, mm. So what I was going to do is pull it up on their website if I can find it really quick and see how they classify it just in a little more detail. And they just say double IPA. Um, so I'm not even convinced that they think it's a New England IPA, even though it yeah, very it clearly just... seems like one to me. It look, it has the look of it, uh, and it definitely has a little bit of sweetness. But like I said, it's not enough to make me think that maybe that's what they're going for. And it's definitely not advertised as one on website or can. So I'm going to say that it's not. I'm just going to say that this is a, a double IPA. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. There is that sweetness, but I think the other defining factor for me is the mouthfeel. Mm. And I don't know if stylistically or categorically speaking, this is an actual distinction between West and East Coast IPAs. But in my experience, the mouthfeel of a New England IPA is a bit more viscous and has a little bit more oomph to it. And this Mm -hmm. is definitely a light, clean drinking sort of 7.5% beer. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely thicker than like a West Coast IPA, but it is definitely not that giant behemoth of a mouthfeel from like a New England. I think it leans more West Coast for me in terms of mouthfeel and body. That's fair. But in flavor, it's like like straddling the Midwest. Yeah, I agree. I could probably, I could see arguments for this either way. And I think this is kind of what you were getting at in the first beer is that you can probably, as the person drinking it, if you want to glean those more juicy East coast kind of IPA flavors you can, but if you want to do a little bit of mouth digging for the West coast stuff, it's there too. So I think for me, the, the, the defining factor or the distinguishing characteristic is the mouthfeel. So if I had gun to my head pick between West coast and East coast, I would, I would say West, I'd say there's a West coast double IPA, but it's close. It is, or, or just, you know, it's not picking a coast. It's not picking teams or sides or game colors. It's just, it's kind of doing its own thing. Uh, I definitely get a lot of like grapefruit rind uh, on the finish, mm-hmm. which is like really kind of a drying, um, you know, bitter mouth thing happening with the flavor. I don't dislike it. Um, this feel, this beer honestly doesn't feel like it has the biggest personality. I don't think it's, it's very much just like a lunch pail kind of worker. Like this is the blue collar, IPA of their lineup, it feels like. Like this beer is just gonna just grab its lunch pail, go to work, punch a clock, sure. and it's not gonna ruffle any feathers. It's not gonna organize a riot. It's just gonna it's do its job. It's not gonna unionize. Be, be, it's not gonna unionize. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be perfectly fine and then go home and mow its lawn and have like a pork chop and rice for dinner. Yeah. I feel like that's exactly what this beer is gonna do. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It doesn't hurt that the artwork is very industrial and it basically looks like that person is on the can. But um yeah, like I think the flavor that's jumping out to me is this very um so like herbal skewing like cilantro specifically. It's like mm. a real cilantro kind of vibe on it, which I don't I, I mean I love cilantro. It's a little intense in this beer for me. And I'm not sure if that's due to the mosaic. I know mosaic can have a couple different qualities depending on what you pair it with. Um, oftentimes, I tend to associate mosaic with like berry stuff. 
like blueberries specifically, but with the right malt bill and other hops, it can get a little bit herbal, which is mm. not like, I love a mosaic hop, but I typically like it for more of the berry uh, aspects that it can give. So the cilantro parts of this are not great for me. Yeah, I could see that. Are you getting any of, them, any of that? Would you say cilantro ever? Uh, I wouldn't say cilantro. I would definitely say like herbal mm-hmm. and like a little bit floral. Uh, but yeah, definitely wouldn't say cilantro. Yeah. I mean, I, the floral's not wrong either. Um, it's interesting, man. There's, I mean, there's a lot going on here. It changes or I, not, it doesn't change, but I can find more stuff in every drink and I've had about four so far. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's making me think about it, which I do appreciate, but it's not, I don't like it as much as the first one. And I think I probably do still like it more than you. Well, I think it's a lot less exciting. I think this beer is bringing a lot of solid construction to the table. I think the first beer we did was just kind of like a, like a, like a, like a firework. Like it was a mortar. And this one's, this one's like a sparkler. Like it's safe. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably just cause it's much more of a traditional style. You know, that one had a lot of flash and a lot of, uh, you know, gimmick a little bit, but sure. in a good way with yeah. the, the flavor and what it was going for. I mean, this is just a straight up kind of beer flavored beer. Uh, so when you compare the two side by side, this one's going to be underwhelming 100% of the time. But I think as just a double IPA, it stands okay on its own. It's not undrinkable. It's not too sweet that I hate it, which is, you know, obviously the first thing I'm I'm cautious of. Sure. Uh, it has enough of that pithy bitterness, a little bit of like the danky, like weed flavors from the Strata hops. Mm. Um, and it's, it's super approachable. Uh, it's definitely... I don't know if it's memorable, but it's, it's well-made. It's good. Um, I think it's good. I, I, that's, I don't know what else to say, but I think it's yeah, good. Okay. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to rock my world. Can we talk briefly about a phrase that you tend to use, uh, relatively often, which is beer flavored beer. Can we take a minute for that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I know what you mean, but I don't like the turn of phrase because I think in its most traditional iteration, it means like a macro lager. I think beer flavored beer just means beer that most people who have ever heard of beer would think of. And you and I drink well, beers on the show that aren't that way. So could you just steer me right if I'm interpreting you wrong? Well, no, what I mean is when I say it's advertised as a double IPA and it actually tastes like that. Okay. You know, I'm, it's not overly sweet. It doesn't taste like, uh, you know, an, an orange Julius. It doesn't have a massive juicy sweetness. Um, you know, honestly, if it doesn't taste like a beer flavored beer, one negative thing I would say in that regard is it's not hoppy enough for a double IPA. I expect more of a hot punch. Stylistically, it should have more punch. Um, but when I say that, I'm I'm basically specifying that to whatever style we're doing. Okay. Like I love a stout flavored stout. I love the roastiness of the malts and just no adjuncts. So like when I say beer flavored beer, like an IPA being an IPA flavored IPA, sure. there's no bullshit. There's no vanilla, you know, there's no, no, nothing else, no frills. It's just you, the ingredients stripped down to their core. I mean, not like Reinheitsdebatt core, but like, totally, you know, the core of what an IPA was when it was first introduced in the craft beer scene in like the mid nineties to when I got into it in like the mid 2000, early 2000s. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean when I say that, like this is, excuse me, burping. Uh, this would be a double IPA kind of flavored double IPA. Like 
it's honest with itself. It's doing what it says it's going to do, and it's not trying to be things that it isn't. Yeah, I, I guess that's always kind of how I interpreted you. But the turn of phrase does remind me of sort of like an old curmudgeon kind of beer drinker that's like, you know, like milkshake IPAs, that's not even real beer. Like a beer should be a, you know, like a Coors Light or like whatever. Like, so yeah, the turn of phrase beer flavored beer always kind of rubs me the wrong way when other people say it. And and when you say it, you go on to elaborate that you're actually describing something else. So knowing that you mean like an IPA flavored IPA or a stout flavored stout makes more sense. Yeah. Obviously I'm smarter than most people though. Obviously there's, yes, obviously. of course, of course. I mean, duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. You got anything else on this? You want to rate it? Um, you know, despite being a bit underwhelming and I don't know if that's just being a victim of its own success in the first round. Yep. Um, it's a solid beer. I would not kick this beer out of bed for eating crackers. Uh, I'm going to feel this beer at like a, this is like a seven, seven all day. It's super stand, like super solid above average. I like it because it's not too sweet. Uh, I want it to be more hoppy, but that's just personal preference. But I mean, overall, this is a really solid above average double IPA. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, now that we're in in uh, podcast land, we can talk about the prices of this. It was it was six twenty nine plus tax for the pint can, which I think mm-hmm. is just about right for the first one. Yeah, six forty nine for the first one. Um, so it's pricey, and I don't I don't know that if it were slightly cheaper, I'd be more inclined to buy it again. But I really enjoy what I have in front of me, and I'll probably finish this other pint. And that's partially due to how good the beer is. It's also partially due to my elated attitude that we are celebrating five years today. Um. Mm-hmm. So it's all, you know, it's all relative, but it's good, man. I think I'm going to land on an eight. It's really okay. good. Um, Yeah. I Yeah. It's very good. I'm very stoked on it. And I'll, you know, I'd, I'd probably try it again if given it, if it was given to me in a glass, like, oh, thank you very much. So yeah, there because you know. this, this beer is going to be better than eight, probably seven out of 10 beers that you yeah, get like, from a single yeah, store. Yeah, totally. And it's going to be less, um, less divisive for sure. Like it's a pretty well, they, I think they do really well-rounded stuff based on these two beers, like approachable from multiple directions. Yeah. Wide appeal for sure. They're playing to a really broad audience and I think they do it well. Yeah. And agreed. I, yeah. I, I, I would have to say I'm pretty high on this brewery. Okay. Well, 7.7 for you. Eight for me. That's Herbs in Horto. Uh, let us know if you guys get to try it again. It's available at SNS. I would guess it's at Spikes. Probably. What do you think? You think it's the co-op or maybe not? Uh, I don't think so. New Earth? I don't know. All right. Well, it's definitely at SNS. Look around town. Let us know what you if you get a chance to try it. We'd love to hear what you think. What do you think about Hot and Bothered? Let's do it. Hot and Bothered. Welcome, everyone, to Hot and Bothered, the part of the show where we put our weary film and beer heads to bed for the night, potentially, and talk about just stuff that's going on in life. Johnny Summers, what's got you hot and or bothered this week? Well, I'm going to start with a bothered that should be a hot. Okay. And, and that's Diablo 2. Oh, if shit. you are a regular listener of this show, you know I was very, mm-hmm. very excited about that last week. Yeah. Um. Oh, man, that turned into a real big bummer. Oh, I'm sorry, man. That sucks. You were really excited to play that. Uh, and I'm still excited to play it, but the problem is I can only play it by myself. They did not include a couch oh co-op oh well okay so if i mean like you we've been playing diablo 3 like crazy for since it came out right i just you just assume that if they're 
you know, porting an old game to the new consoles and PC that you could have couch co-op and sit next to someone and play on the same screen, screen just like Diablo 3. Right. Well, you can't. And if me and my wife wanted to play it together, I would need another PlayStation and to, oh, I don't know, buy the game again. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That was really lame. I've been told that there's some cross-platform playability. So uh, I have a friend that has it on Switch, and we are going to see if we can... Uh, make electricity go from point A to point B and actually okay. play the same game together sure. on the same screen from different consoles. And if that's the case, I'll probably just spring for it on the Switch so Shalina can play it on the Switch and I can play it on the PS4 and we can run through it together. That being said, I've spent 0.0 hours playing Diablo 2, my hot last week, and therefore by default, it has <laughs> to be a massive bother. All right. Well, surely you have a way to turn that um, pessimism around into some form of optimism, no? Yeah, absolutely. I binged the newsroom all weekend, so I'm almost done with season two. Okay, great. (laughs) I I dove back in. We've watched four episodes in the last two days. It's so So good. It's so good. We're we're neck deep in it, and we're almost done with season two. And uh, yeah, still loving that show. So uh, I think, Max, are you still rewatching it with me? Are you still trying? Yeah, at the end of season one. Perfect. So you're not that far behind. No, and I, I've seen pro- I've seen seasons one through three. I mean, probably five times. Okay. So if I'm not with you in episode, I'm with you in spirit. I know right where you're at, and I'm with you. Yeah. God, it's good. Yeah. At the end of the last episode, Leona just said, "We'll get their trust back." End well, episode. get it back. That's how she oh. ends it. And it fucking cuts the block. It's so good. Oh, yeah. such oh, a so mic good. drop moment. I Man. love that show. Yeah, because like. We don't have to get into it because we spent probably 20 minutes talking about the newsroom a couple <laughs> so weeks ago. Long. But since we're here, like the 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 moment that that you're fully invested in Leona Lansing as a protagonist of this story is like, yes, like we got some big guns. Love mm-hmm. it. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It was so validating oh. too for the characters. Like I can't tout that show enough. If you it's haven't watched enough. it and you have HBO Max, you're wasting time. Not I, watching the newsroom. Did I tell you a couple of weeks ago that our mutual friend Rob started watching it? No, did he? Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was actually at Burgers and Brew and I got a friend, I got a friend, I got a text from my friend and and drummer and, and person that we both know, Rob Delgado. And he said, starting the newsroom, just want to let you know. And I was like, like texting back, I was like, I'll be right there. And he's like, all right, great. We ordered pizza. So I went to his house and we watched two episodes with him and his girlfriend and I was just like the whole time, just like watching their faces. Like, what do you guys think of that, that line and that line and that line? And they loved it. It's so good. Yeah. The dialogue in that show is like little drops of crack. You just can't get I enough know. of it. I know. So, so that turned the weekend around a little bit. Um, but the big thing, the big hot for me, sure. you know what it is, of course man. I do. It's our five year anniversary today. <laughs> yeah. It's, it only, I don't know that it's happened before where we've gotten to record on the actual day. Yeah, but this is it. We put either. out we put out our first episode of the show in in 2016 on September 28th. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to hijack that. You can keep talking. No, please. I I want you to hijack this. This well, is uh, it's your day as much as it is mine. Well, I'm just jazzed about it, man. Like, it's who? Oh, I was talking to a friend um, whose name is Cameron. I guess I'll say that. And I was letting him know, like, yeah, we're approaching like our, our five year podcast anniversary and he's like that's tough like i started a podcast and it lasted i think he said six months um and a lot of people start podcasts arguably too many everybody yeah and less people stick with them um Mm -hmm. 
And if it weren't for just enjoying the conversations we have, I, maybe I wouldn't have stuck with it. And and we're lucky enough to have listeners and people that pay us money to make this show and advertisers and whatever the fuck else. But ultimately, I think on the days that I'm feeling like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I want to go to the movie theater. I don't know if I want to sit down and do the editing or the talking or whatever. Like the thing that gets me through it is like, oh yeah, that one time we talked about this one thing that was so important and like world shattering and you and I got to bond for a minute is, is the reason that this show keeps happening, I think. Absolutely. And the accountability to each other, just to know that like, I want to have a good conversation because there's been many times in the last five years that this time with you was the only good thing that happened that week That's and sweet. not to get deep and emotional, but it's fucking true, man. Yeah. And it's something that I look forward to because this shit does not pad either of our pockets. Let's be really real for a second. <laughs> Okay, we're sure, not making sure, sure. money. I know we have a Patreon, and that's just so we don't have to buy beer out of our own pocket. Well, it's just so week. we can that's... give that money back to the patrons. Like, we're going to lose a bunch of money on Friday, but who cares? Exactly. It's it's never been about the yeah. money, and it's never been about anything other than sitting down and doing the thing that we committed to. And it's like a part-time job that neither of us get paid for, but yeah. we, I mean, it's like the definition of a labor of love. And this is starting to sound very masturbatory and I'm sorry, but I'm not, but I yeah. want to keep doing it forever because I love it. And yeah, you've gotten me through some hard weeks and I hope I've done the same for you. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I always look forward to every single week. And it's always a bright spot in my week, no matter if I'm dealing with depression or just not having a great week or if I don't feel like doing it, yeah, I know I get to drink beers and talk with my best friend, and that's fucking dope. And it really if is. If that's all I ever get out of this, then it will always be enough. So thanks for five awesome years, dude. Yeah, and thank you guys for listening. I'm going to throw it back very briefly, and I'm just going to read some stuff because reading these episodes r reminds me of that time. So like our first episode, dude, you and I, after a drunken evening of beer trading, like, Hey, we should start a podcast, whatever. And we did. And we went and we saw hell or high water in the theaters. And then we set up two microphones in my old apartment on the table and we drank in the kitchen in the kitchen. And we drank a beer from Fieldwork called galaxy juice, which I said tasted like vacuum, which is not yep. a great descriptor for beers, but fuck me. That's what it tasted like. I promise you it's what it tasted like. And we did a beer uh, from diamond knot called the keepers old ale, which I purchased when I was up uh, near Seattle for one of my best friends, Sean's wedding. And we talked about that stuff and it was probably not a great episode, but we loved doing it. And the next week we covered the magnificent seven. We talked about Denzel Washington sweating and Chris Pratt and all sorts of shit. And we covered like five beers from Russian river and then the next week after that, we covered Phantom Bride from Belching Beaver, which was a collaboration with a band and Stone and Joy By. And we just we didn't even do a movie that week. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't know what we were doing for a long time. Like these episodes, by the way, if you go to listen to them, they're not even available to most people. You have to you have to really want them. You have to go to our website and listen to them there. Um, but man, we've been doing it for a long time. Like we did Moana. Back in 2017, the beginning of 2017, and we covered the Campfire Stout from Highwater and Mowgli from Caldera. Like, there's all these long-standing memories that are in my brain now from years and years ago that are just, you know, they're just out there. And people can be a part of that if they want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun that we've given, you know, each other so much, but also something that people find value and entertainment in. And... uh 
I know I've had some personal experiences where people reach out after me talking about things I'm struggling with or whatever. And it's like, sure. you don't realize sometimes just being a regular person and just having a conversation and then making it public that it goes out into the world and it has fingers and it reaches and it, it touches and it impacts. And it's fun when feedback like that comes in, but it's, it's just, it's always gratifying to do it, whether like I'd probably do it if no one listened. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. As the, as, the, as uncle Ben said, with great podcast comes great responsibility. Exactly. Um, so that's my hot man is five years. And I can't wait to go out with you after this and have a celebratory drink. Yeah. I was going to say it's six o'clock on a Tuesday. I mean, we're, we're, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, we're three days in the past. So we're going to go grab a drink, uh, to celebrate. So let's end the show. Like we always do. The show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our lovely family and friends on Patreon. Um, thanks to the constant support of the handlebar. And obviously thank you to you, Johnny Summers. I appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Max, for all your hard work over the last five years, making the show what it is. Uh, wouldn't be nearly as good without you. So My man. Remember, everyone, watch movies with friends. Drink beers that make you happy with friends. And then talk about them. And most importantly, always be good to each other. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.